let me remind you all that social distancing remains in effect. So keep six feet away from each other, and preferably even further from me. Ugh. To get it to character. Hello, students. Thank you for meeting me this time in the San Francisco underground castle catacomb to once again talk important NYPD vice student outreach business. I love a class trip, but how is San Francisco even in your jurisdiction? Jurisdiction is really just a guideline. I don't think that it is. (laughs) Does anyone remember the very important lessons we learned in our last class? It was literally one episode ago. Of course. Simple. Mm -hmm. I thought so. Uh, How about a little refresher? I really don't (laughs) think that's necessary, Tarek. Uh, Oh, nope, you're doing it anyway. Hello, students. Thank you all for meeting me in this alleyway parking lot that New York City is very well known for. I work vice in the NYPD, and my name is Detective Tarek. I'm not quite sure that flashback is needed. You kind of already said all that. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) And if anything should go wrong, don't be afraid. As I have been trained in China in Tiger Claw style Kung Fu. And my partner, Detective Linda, has decades of training in martial arts from the Kung Fu Masters of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh man, is Detective Linda going to be a bigger part of this lesson? I'd say if you combine lessons two and three, you will end up seeing Linda maybe a little less than you see her in lesson one. Okay, now you're just teasing us. Not as much as franchise teases her hair. (laughs) Also, we broke up as quickly as we got together. I don't want to talk about it. It's tearing me apart, Lisa! (laughs) It's Jamie. (laughs) Just Detective Tarek over here! You're damn death dealer! (laughs) Does this cop have the power to deputize students at a school to break up a drug deal? Oh, that flashback was a little more interesting. They gave us a snippet of footage we didn't see in the last lesson. Eh. Sounded more like short ends that got left on the cutting room floor. But Okay, I think we've gotten you all up to speed. So is it safe to assume that because you had us watch this recap, we can expect a little more of the same from this lesson? Normal crime fighting things, the Death Dealer, a.k.a. Chon, and Tiger Claw style martial arts? What? No. What makes you assume that stupid idiot girl? <laughs> Normal storytelling convention? (laughs) Save your stories for bedtime. We are dealing with NYPD by way of SFPD Vice. You need to be ready for the unexpected. You were previously prepared for Tiger Claw style serial murders. 
Not anymore. <laughs> okay, maybe one or two. You're expecting Chong death dealing? This time he makes poutine. <laughs> what are you even talking about? See, Stinky Beard gets it. No talking, only doing. This time, motherfuckers, we're dealing with time travel. What the literal hell? No, keep up, not literal hell, literal portal to ancient literal China. Because as everyone knows, the power of black tiger style kung fu is that opening of portals to ancestors and also sometimes bringing ancestors to the present. I thought it was called tiger claw style. Oh, only when it's for killing people or for opening up portals. Not for resurrecting magic lightning super people. I swear, I'm going to have to fail you all if you can't pay attention. Officer Tarek, are you on drugs? I, I, I think we should go. I don't feel safe here. It was the first thing I said. Be careful where you step. Bottomless pit of doom in downtown San Francisco is concealed by dry eyes mist. You definitely didn't say that. Yes, I did. Hello, students. Thank you for meeting me this time in this San Francisco underground castle catacomb to once again talk important NYPD vice student outreach business. Be careful where you step. Bottomless pit of doom in downtown San Francisco is concealed by dry ice mist. That was added in post-production. Is also a power Tiger Claw style has. Audio slicing. Deep in the underground of San Francisco's Chinatown, a crime boss prepares to seize power for the ancient masters and alter history forever. Tonight, we will once again be able to control our destiny. Now reunited with his ex-partner. I would like to keep San Francisco police out of this as long as possible. I'd like to work with you. Richardson and Masterson pursue a cop killer into secret ancient caverns. But when they're caught, Richardson must fight for their freedom. If I win, you let her go? Of course. In a deadly game that only few can win. What do you want? Chinatown. Do the three masters of Shanghai ring a bell? They are fighting spirit, summoned into human form. The crystal is concentrated energy. It can only be defeated by a concentrated energy of equal power. Where can I find that equal? Black Tiger. Oh, well, we're back for more Tiger Claw. Oh, dear God. Well, let's get through the roll call first. Jamie Kennedy? I thought you said we were going out for a steak. Yeah, podcast steak. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> I served you the volleyball and you said, here's a bowling ball, fucker. <laughs> yeah, that was a 7-10 split of a joke, I think. Wowie. Uh, Casey Regan? These movies did two Scott Brothers franchises in one franchise. The second movie was a total Tony Scott. It was a total Beverly Hills Cop 2. And then the third one was like an Aliens 3. It was like French-directed Aliens. <laughs> Casey, don't be ridiculous. The third one was directed by David Fincher. I wasn't going to say anything. The fourth one was directed by a Frenchman. I always forget. Who was the first to race to see the Aliens' vagina? <laughs> Greg Hansen? 
even though Tiger Claws 3 could summon dead Shanghai Kung Fu masters, it could not summon me to give any sort of a shit about what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations, Tiger Claws. You've done something I never thought anything could do. You bummed me out by the introduction of time travel and magic in a series. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I'm so glad that we're talking about these two as a package after going super in-depth to the first one, because nothing about the first one leads you to think any of these plot points are going to happen. Tiger Claw's not supernatural. Yet. No, there's no magic. And the fact that it goes time travel, then magic is even more baffling to me. Well, it's time travel and then magic and then time travel magic. Yeah, yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's sending you to your ancestors or sending your ancestors to you. Was Bolo not just stepping into heaven at the end? I didn't think of it as time travel. I thought when they said going to your ancestors, it was the promise of paradise. No, they said we're opening up a portal so we can bring modern medicine and technology to our ancestors to make ancient china stronger and they had an establishing shot of ancient china (laughs) it's confusing (laughs) i watched both these movies one after the other a lot has been lost same yeah in three hours quite a few concepts are presented in front of you (laughs) and not enough Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah, and not eternally. enough Chon. Like, yeah, they uh, got me to love Chon in the first movie. He only gets better in the second because he gets to, like, have humorous moments and you actually get to see him not hiding in the shadows. And then we lose both him and Cynthia in the third movie. And I'm like, what are we even doing here? It's a wild circumstance because when we talked about Tiger Claws, we were like, the movie's, like, a little anemic. The fighting isn't super duper well photographed and maybe there wasn't enough coverage and they remedied all of that Mm -hmm. for two and three and then lost everything else that was good about the movie it was a little like Jalal Murray watched the first one went I see the problem (laughs) and they they fixed that and then while they were really finishing the tile work on the bathroom that is these movies they just like threw the fucking sink out the window and the (laughs) toilet they're just like we don't need any of this like (laughs) plot interesting characters the time jump not in movie but between the movies is also fascinating to break down Tiger Claws 1 is 1991 Tiger Claws 3 is 2000 Mm. and you can tell by 2000 that Cynthia Rothrock is just coming back as a friendship favor to Jalal Murray. (laughs) Yeah, I do not understand. Even putting her in a movie where she's not going to kick even a little bit of ass. No, none. Zero ass was kicked. At least in the second one, she does get more action scenes. But then the fact that she's in the third one for a grand total of five minutes. But they do the same thing as they did in the first one where they literally lock her in a (laughs) cage. Yeah. 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 It's insane. Because she might be a martial arts master, but she's not a tiger claw master. So she has to take a back seat whenever <laughs> this style of kung fu has to be discussed. All of our characters are in a room and they're about to begin Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Stage one of Mortal Kombat is about to begin. And they go, take her away. I'm like, take her away? <laughs> no, that's Sonya Blade. <laughs> yeah, that's... I don't know if the rest of these characters can kick. Yeah. Why am I watching this movie? Yeah, yeah. I'm not here for Victor. Oh, Victor. I mean, I have to give it to Jalal. He looks great in a lot of these scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He definitely learned the lesson that he should have learned. Maybe you speak a little less and kick a little more. But then rather than getting 
more character development in maybe non-speaking ways. They're just like, all you do now is pose, take a staff, pose, kick, pose, uh, get a haircut to look like Roman Polanski. <laughs> oh man, we have to talk about the hair. So he gets rid of the awful, awful greasy ponytail from the first movie and gets like a weird page boy cut for the second movie. He did the Mulan where, you know, you take the, <laughs> you take the ponytail and you take a sword and whatever's left is what your haircut is. I mean, it was pretty effective to show time has passed. When Tarek first pops up on screen, you're like, oh, this is an aged Tarek. This is a wizened yes. Tarek. <laughs> he's Tarek uh, the White. I mean, he yeah, has exactly. learned nothing because he's still... <laughs> <laughs> he's still a vice cop who believes his entire job is i go shoot these people okay <laughs> he does have an interesting turn though because in the first one he kind of looks like a wall street bro on his day off and then in the <laughs> second one he, he's dressed like fucking gordon gecko for half the movie <laughs> it's crazy he also isn't living on a houseboat anymore which is not explained <laughs> and oh, i'm assuming the divorce went through and he gets to keep some more <laughs> some more money now <laughs> yeah and so now he has a condo with a massage chair, which I guess is better. Where he keeps a photo of Linda the detective <laughs> at all times framed on his mirror. They also have less chemistry as the movies go on, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> they had no romantic chemistry in the first movie until the last scene. Then in the nine months between, they were in a fully fledged relationship and <laughs> broke up. They get back together at the end of this. And then the third movie, they are fully together to the point where now it's dangerous for her because she's going to become his tragic backstory when she gets tragically killed. They always read as, hey, I'm a friend of yours in the film industry agreeing to do your movie and not I am in love with you. Hello. Hi, Tarek. It's Linda. How are you? It's nice to hear your voice. I heard about your new partner. I'm really sorry. So am I. She deserves better. Is there anything I could do? I'm not sure. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll fax you my new address, and I think you should come to San Francisco and visit. You'd really like it. Yeah, maybe someday. You take care of yourself. Okay, you too. Bye. Yeah! <laughs> Made all the worse by the fact that she's not in enough of it. I mean, I, I appreciate in the second one, it, she seems like she's at least having fun. In the first movie, you know, she's making a play for the plate, wants to be taken seriously. The second one, she's like, this is below me. Did we get an exact amount of time they've been apart? It's nine months That's between right. the first and second movie. It's nine months. A lot happened, seemingly. Do they say yeah, yeah, that's a wild their whole relationship. <laughs> but it can't be long because at the beginning of the movie, Chong is going to trial. Wait, when do they say nine months? That di that feels that feels insane. The cops say it when Chong's in jail. Who's the gorilla? Chong. I wouldn't get too close if I were you. Why? You just spent nine months undergoing a psych evaluation. Tomorrow at trial, he's gonna plead insanity. He's not crazy. Okay, I, there's, okay. <laughs> I, there's a taste. So I, I, <laughs> I found myself falling 
ever farther in love with Tiger Claws 2 as each minute wound down. I liked what they did with the three characters. Tarek, Linda, and Chong. They each get a little bit more something, right? Yeah. Tarek has lost Ponytail, but has gained something. Linda. There is like a... <laughs> well, gained and lost Linda. Mm-hmm. The prison breakout of Chong. <laughs> yeah, he's just been sitting in his cell meditating since the moments of the last movie. <laughs> yep. For nine months slash five years. I mean, she's been transferred to San Francisco. They've lived and lost a life together. <laughs> and the first scene is Tarek thwarting uh, something Victor's doing, right? Some sort of... It's like, yeah, yeah a, gun, a gun steal. I like to think of myself as having a pretty good sense of humor. But right now, I'm not in the mood for stupid games. And where's the rest of my cash? Where are the weapons? Don't you worry about your weapons. You'll get them delivered when I get paid in full. You'll get the rest when we get the weapons. That was not the deal. Deals change. The introduction of Victor at the beginning of the second one was great because uh, he's got a ponytail. (laughs) My eye goes to the ponytail because I'm thinking this is ponytail movie. This is the movie where ponytails are important. (laughs) Then Tarek's on screen without a ponytail and thwarts Victor's arms deal, essentially defeating old Tarek iconography. This ain't your granddad's Tarek, you know? (laughs) This is the new Tarek. This This is... a Tarek that's been around the block. And then Victor continues in the movie, right? So I was like, oh, it's not, I guess I was reading too much into that. But Victor sort of is the opposite of everything Tarek is. You mean a character? Yeah. (laughs) He has personality? Yeah, he's competent. (laughs) He presents conflict? Savvy, right. He actually, and expresses emotions. Like, he (laughs) he sets plans. He does traps for people. Tarek never really does anything but win at Tiger Claw fights. Like, it's a good thing he became the NYPD's chief Tiger Claw (laughs) specialist. Hello. Hi, it's Linda. I need your help. What's up? We just found a victim that has tiger claw markings. You think it's a copycat? I think it's something bigger. You think it's Chong? Probably not. The victim's face was slashed by a killer missing a finger. Could you run a search on two names for me? Sifu Choi and Dai Lai Fu. I'll check into it. I'll call you back. It felt like they shot two different movies and stitched them together. We're literally at the end. I I don't want to get to the obvious spliced in bolo shots that happen at the end to just create a narrative arc where it's just like, we'll explain everything. We just need a shot of Bolo Young looking longingly in one direction. (laughs) Oh, when they have the the, the The two robed figures that are very clearly not our actors. There are some wild-ass extreme close-ups at the end of that movie that are 1,000% pre-roll shots that they have blown up to 400%. No, absolutely. (laughs) The robed people are the wrong height, Mm -hmm. the wrong build. I have fallen asleep by the end of this movie. (laughs) I could not keep track of how tall they were. (laughs) I feel like there's just this real disconnect between anything Bolo-related and anything Jalal-related. And I don't, I know obviously there's a lot of reason for that narratively. Even this first thing, I, I wrote 
down, is it some sort of time rift that we're in? We're getting a crosscut of Bolo escaping. Meanwhile, uh, Linda's finding dead tiger-clawed bodies in San Francisco. And, and then Jalal's like, I'll be on the next flight. I'll be in San Francisco tomorrow. And we've just seen Bolo get broken out of jail. And they said we're headed to San Francisco. It's like, it, are they going to be on the same flight? Is this going to be... <laughs> oh, no, no. no. They they're driving. The, they're driving the, the food in truck. In their food truck. <laughs> get rid of them. Give them whatever they want. Hey. How you doing? I'm a belly buster and a large coke. I'll have one of those double decker and uh sprite. Bolo Young serves two police officers fries for no reason. <laughs> this is my favorite part of number two because it's also the only continuity between one and two is the way he serves the fries is by dipping his hands into the frying oil, which is how he trained in the first movie. So I give the movie credit for that. Yeah. That did not register to me. I legitimately registered it because they're in this food truck and he prepares the fries the fries look like they're still frozen he gives them to the police officers and they say we have a problem here i thought he gave them frozen fries because he just <laughs> wanted them to get the fuck out of there or whatever it was like a sequence that i literally did not understand well i thought the problem was that he gave them exactly nothing of what they ordered oh yeah he just gives these two fries, fries. with like mustard on top and that's like, fair hey i think we've got a problem here yeah look at this See a problem here, gentlemen. You, boys. What's cool about Bolo Chong in this movie, in the second one, you see a, a, a more three-dimensional shake take form to like the very particular sense of honor that Chong had. You see more edges of it in this movie. Like he doesn't Dai Lo Fu like try to make him like kill a cook for cooking a bad dinner yep. at one point. <laughs> they were shaking him down, I think, for protection money, and he this cook was standing up being like, Hey, Dai Lo Fu has ruined Chinatown. And they're like, All right, well, we're gonna kill you now. And Sean's like, I'm not here to, to kill the working man. Yeah, I sort of loved that this new vision of Chong. Seeing that character walk out of the mid-90s police intrigue thriller martial arts movie, by having that character walk out of that movie and into, I don't know, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yes, sure, it's kind of funny that Chong is, like, essentially super-powered, but, like, seeing Bolo Young do the martial arts is kind of what I wanted to watch the movie for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So having him just be, like, paunch and a guy goes flying is, like, fun <laughs> once, but, like, three times, it's like, eh. Yep. <laughs> okay. And he's not even evil, really, anymore, so you make him more morally complicated. He's chaotic neutral. Yeah, yeah. he's he's fucking perfect cell. He's, like, reached his final form, and, but he's not trying to destroy the world. Which is okay, because then he just goes back in time not yeah. to show up for the third movie at he all. Ste Ugh. steps into the Stargate. Yeah. I liked Chong starting to have a bit of a face turn. There's a lot of things to like about, especially Tiger Claws 2, but both Tiger Claws 2 and 3. And that's why I'm bummed that I still left it feeling so 
dry mouth. It's like baking a cake, but having all the wrong amounts of ingredients. Yeah. You have a fairly unimpeachable cast. All you have to have is Bolo Young and Cynthia Rothrock in the same movie, and that should be a home run. You have them trouncing around a gateway computer screensaver. All the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the issue is... Jalal Mary. Yeah. Maybe I had Mandela affected myself with my own joke, but I saw more Tommy Wiseau in his eyes this <laughs> time. That I, I just <laughs> saw the like insistence to undercut what was truly interesting about these movies. We've lost the heart of this project. Though I, I you know, I don't particularly like the first one. A movie born out of, I loved going to tournaments, so let's make movies around tournaments. There's at least a lot of heart in there. Buried in there is still the human experience of going to tournaments and like somewhere being a deep part in there a... is a heart you can reach into and rip exactly. out. Exactly. And, and, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, and then when the writer takes it over, it's, yeah, it's when we start going to fucking space and through time and stuff. And, it, and it's yeah. like, and the character moments are a little meatier, but I suppose you're right. They, it has lost some of its initial charm. It's just much more meandering. The first one is like, we have to yeah. capture it's, it's Chong. Yeah. yeah. The second one, I'm like, you're trying to take down Victor. You're trying to find the copycat. Right. You're... There's no way they intended to shoot Chong's prison break and yeah. that San Francisco scene as crosscut. Like, that no, was absolutely no, you're, gonna you're be You're totally a, right. I would even imagine they shot that initial Chong stuff probably with Tiger Claws 1. I doubt very much how much time they had with Bolo for the second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, they spent so much time with him in a food truck. Yeah. yeah. There's a thing that also happens in martial arts movies, especially bad martial arts movies. When you show people who are really, really good, who, narratively speaking, are supposed to be, like, indestructible, and they are, until they, like, meet the main character mm. and then they forget all how to fight. Yep. The three storms, right? The ancient kung fu masters oh, yeah. are wrecking machines. They take they get... over downtown New York. Yeah. Well, they blow up a few cars and they make one officer with an assault rifle flee. <laughs> <laughs> Once Tarek shows up, their fight scenes are mediocre. Well, they, they met their match because he knows Black Tiger, which is different from Tiger also, that was confusing. That's actually a real thing. Really? Black Tiger is apparently a much rarer form of Tiger Claw. I would have liked that explained. Yeah. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I didn't realize any of these were real forms of martial arts. I thought this was yes. kind of like a Lord of the Rings type thing where Jamal Murray was inventing his own martial arts no. style and was using this movie to promote it. <laughs> as far as I understand, all of the like martial arts styles that get parodied, Snake Fist and Crane and all that, those are all real styles okay okay i don't know enough about the ins and outs of them but yeah tiger is one of the like main styles of traditional chinese kung fu and black tiger is an exceedingly rare version of it y'all ever notice how someone who's been doing black tiger style they be kicking like this <laughs> <laughs> it's white tiger style they be kicking like this. <laughs> Y'all ever notice that? <laughs> There's like that moment in the tournament scene where the guy in the green silk pajamas who's doing who's doing <laughs> yes. drunken, who is fucking awesome. Oh, who's that got, was rad. 
who is kicking ass. And then he goes up against a guy who who is not as good as him. And for some reason, narratively, we're supposed to understand that the drunken guy loses, which 1,000% would never happen. Yeah, yeah, the better martial artists lose because they need to for the story to continue. Yeah. And that is disappointing. There's not really a story in this movie's tournament. The fact that they decide to take Cynthia Rothrock away nearly distracted me from the fact that they're like, welcome to the martial arts tournament the first one yeah go down these tunnels uh <laughs> however many come out that's how many are in the tournament and then they come out and they're like eight perfect oh that's great that's exactly <laughs> what needed to happen yeah i thought that the finalists were yeah. going to be the ones that come out but no the tunnel is just the first gauntlet yeah. <laughs> very confusing yeah but it gave me permission to ignore the tournament entirely I wasn't trying to follow, ooh, which of these the unnamed fighters in the montages are the better fighter because Jalal's going to need to go up against them or whatever. It was just like, yeah, fighting, it's crazy, huh? Oh, sure. Sometimes the martial artist is good, but if, if the other guy gets the wrong right hook in, the fight could be won, you know? I think the whole message was... Martial arts, it's 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 tough and actually hard. <laughs> the second one I did enjoy immeasurably more than the first one. I think second That's one's not my favorite. No, much. second's Wait, my favorite. Of the series? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think oh, that's second a mistake. One's, <laughs> second one's, well, that's that's a mistake. favorite. Second the one's my one's, favorite. No, the first one's the best. No, because the third one's the one with the hairy chest. <laughs> <laughs> the first one the first one is the best because it's the one that has bale pickles in it. Yeah. Uh, that's, all right, all right. That all gives right. you points. And, and, and what okay. I mean by that is the first one, I think, feels a little sterile, but is propped up with at least a fairly interesting story and a lot of fun characters who are not Tarek. <laughs> we get a sense of this world. We get a sense of the people who populate it. We lose that in the second and third one. And two I love on paper because they're just like, great, we streamline it, we make it more efficient, the fight scenes are better. The catacomb fight scenes is, are pretty fun. I love that, but then there's all of this boring tournament nonsense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too much characters who you don't know, nameless characters, showing off boring fighting stuff, and there are no particularly interesting characters really almost at all in two and three you're not interested by victor the toothpick chewing meathead <laughs> <laughs> the thumb with the ponytail <laughs> <laughs> or dilo foo he's there no, dilo foo <laughs> i think is more interesting than victor yes he is yes the only characters i cared about in the third one were the literal mute the yes. three the three you storms. Mean general zod and his cronies i i just have this idea of like jalal murray pitching a movie back then it'll be easy me and my friends have done a lot of tournaments we know how to put a tournament <laughs> together i can get a bunch of martial artists pretty cheap and easy and then it's a writer who's gonna be like yeah we do another tournament in the second one but what if it's like somewhere between laser tag and <laughs> <laughs> and, and the jack of all trades television show yeah, yeah. i love that Tarek does no training montages in the second movie like the yeah. first one's all about learning tiger claw the third one's all about learning black tiger and the middle one is like yeah i'm good where i'm at <laughs> yeah those are two tropes in action movies and martial arts movies that do kind of bum me out one of which is the tournament of which we only know one character really and yep. then the second is 
a montage that actually doesn't do anything or or matter at all. Like, yeah. well, Greg, you're saying that you can't learn an ancient form of martial art by punching your hand through a little windmill and trying not to let it hit you? <laughs> to be honest, that was the coolest part of that. But they're they're all aping very specific, very influential movies, right? The training montage comes out of Thirty Six Chambers of Shaolin. The tournament scenes come out of Enter the Dragon or uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine, and then, like, ultimately, in this case, more like Bloodsport and Kickboxer. Movies that do those things do it, generally speaking, to pad runtime. Like, the thing that makes the those sequences in those movies captivating is a sense of increasing danger and stakes <laughs> we know other competitors and we care about them or we see you know the training montage is is maybe dangerous or or incredibly impressive in these movies it's sort of like neither and both you know where you're just like okay i don't know anybody it doesn't really matter who wins also i know at the end of this montage you're gonna be in the place that you need to be you know it's like him twirling a stick a bunch and you're like okay that's cool i've seen a hundred people at this point in 2000 i've seen thousands of people twirl sticks in movies (laughs) yeah Yeah. there are a million movies that do that but those movies at least most of them will have a martial artist that will provide by the end one scene that is like oh yes this is why we watched a boring movie for this one <laughs> right he's not like a tony jaw where you're just like oh, tr- yeah, or yeah. or a jcvd right somebody who like yeah. i find him to be generally fairly captivating as a performer even yeah. if stilted as as far as line readings are concerned but like damn dude he could have the charisma of Tarek, and thems can kicks like that <laughs> yeah he's still gonna be start <laughs> absolutely i'll watch the movie and be fine i that's why i I think it's unfortunately our boy Jalal. Yeah. 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 You can't hinge the movies on him and they really Especially tried. when I was assuming that these movies were hinged on Cynthia Rothrock. Yes. I mean yeah. that's like, the biggest... I know that was proven false when we watched the first one, but, <laughs> but like, you were hoping we for... I was <laughs> hoping. I was really <laughs> hoping. He has neither the moves nor the jagger. Yeah. <laughs> Jalal Murphy, while consistently playing police officers, apparently thinks cops are the dumbest because he consistently makes movies about how terrible the police are at their own work, including the fact that there's never enough backup. When Chong gets busted out by two guys with guns, apparently they get into the precinct. Apparently the precinct has no metal detectors. There's no security (laughs) clearance. You just walk in, you just blow away as many people. Fucking cops, when they hear gunfire, they just run right towards (laughs) In the third one, the precinct is just a warehouse with bare walls. (laughs) You work with what you got. One thing that I did like is that all three movies had box factories i appreciated that it did have that Tarek also comes to san francisco to hunt this case but doesn't tell his superiors doesn't want to tell (laughs) any of the cops in this jurisdiction that's not his what he's doing and like explicitly is like i don't want to get the cops involved and then when the cops come later to be like what the hell are you doing he's roasting them for some reason not knowing why this guy from new york would be like shooting random people in a warehouse (laughs) there's a lot of interdepartment beef within yes. the police force apparently oh my god they don't like new york cowboys nobody likes anybody his story checks out so what do you want to do with him let him know we don't like new york cowboys pack your bags and make tracks <laughs> 
No problem. I know it's not a problem, because we'll be checking in on you. Count on it. I think the problem is Jalal Murray, he fetishizes a lot of things, and cops are just one of them. All of his main characters are cops, but he doesn't seem to know or care anything about <laughs> what police actually do or what the job... No. Yeah, the idea turns him on, but he doesn't want to learn any more about it. Right, it's the signifier of it. In the same way, I mean, you know, he's certainly an accomplished martial artist in his own right, but there is a, like, not... Un- Indistinguishable fetishes, fetishes, fetishization, fetishization, fetish, fetishization, fetishization of people from Asia, the Eastern Asia, and also of women. The very including of Cynthia Rothrock in this film franchise is the totem of all this, right? It is like, oh, it'd be great to have a female, cool, tough martial arts action movie lead in our movie. She's not going to do much, (laughs) but it'd be good to have her in it. It's just like, yes, I learned everything I learned in China. Also, Chinese people, literally magic. They can step through portals. (laughs) The the combination, the places where these two ideas like mold the best is Cynthia Rothrock in Tiger Claws 2 does finally get a chance to kick ass, but it's only when a magic Asian person (laughs) grants her superpowers (laughs) to be Cynthia Rothrock. Not only do we know who Cynthia Rothrock is and what special ability she has that makes her like exciting to see in a martial arts movie, time has passed in your own story. You didn't need to bring in a fucking magic Asian man. It's useless. Wait. I have an idea. Give me your hand. Now try. What's crazy to me is that I sort of love that too. I sort of love that there was some sort of intellectual or creative philosophy that went into well, we can't just have Linda Masterson or whatever just start fighting well. That would be a jump in logic. <laughs> this this character trait that we set up in the first movie that came before this, obviously. Was self-aware enough to know that the first movie doesn't present Cynthia Rothrock's character as like a super being. Yeah. So they wanted to be consistent enough in their own mythos only in the fact that, yes, she can fight, but if she's going to stand against... Now, Chong is essentially Goku. A demigod. <laughs> yeah, John, yeah. John, it's like one punch man. <laughs> like, it's just like... One scratch man. One scratch man. Gone is the vicious killer of Tiger Claws. You know what? It's an oddly pro-prison reform movie, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting in the two and three is one seems pretty removed from any attempts to like bring Chinese culture into it beyond the fact that this is some kind of ancient style that a non-Chinese actor is going to be perfecting. In movie two, the whole thing is centered around a Chinese New Year martial arts tournament, and the third one is all about the ancestors coming 
coming back. But for as heavily as they're leaning into the culture of it, it feels more culturally insensitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, it gets yeah. weirdly racist through like a lot of it. The third one especially. especially. Yeah. Well into the second one, they are just saying Chinese people are magic. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and the third movie starts with i mean a with a going out for a steak stakeout joke which just oh. feels indicative oh. of of what you're about to see yep. for the rest of the movie there was not a more effective way to knock me out of the movie <laughs> i thought you said we were going out for a steak no yes you did i said i'm going for a stakeout would you like to come well, if you said that, then why am I dressed like this? I'm not complaining. First line, the first <laughs> words you want uttered in your movie is a is steak, it dad joke? Steak out. <laughs> pun yeah and then immediately go to box factory so it's like bad writing bad production Ooh, that's where we're boy. at everyone is either dressed like they're 10 years too young or like 20 years too old or 30 years too european somehow <laughs> like the texture of of even the medium we're watching like the third one somehow looks like the most expensive and the cheapest one at the same time. <laughs> it's yeah, the yeah. transition to HD. Like suddenly yeah. when we're in HD, I'm like, whoa, 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 what's yeah, happening? I know. But that's not HD. Not... This is still film. Oh, the YouTube transfer was lovely. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also the one that ha that is the most rooted in its time. The predilections of early and mid 90s action films, while I think people could look at it and, and place it, are a little bit more universal Whereas 2000, like, this has the, like, you wouldn't steal a CD yes. music. Like, yeah. the, the, like, bad Casio breakbeat. Thank you, Verouge, for, for this yep. sl yeah. slice of 2000s. Stan on all three films, too. So they loved Verouge. I'm pretty sure Verouge, similar to J. Stephen Monder, has done all of the music for every Jill Murray movie. He works with the same stable of people pretty much Fuck all yeah. the time. How can we how can we break in? How can we break <laughs> into the Murray Circle? You have to fight in a tournament that goes nowhere. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. There's it's a really specific set of circumstances. Okay, we have to talk about the memory hole shaped elephant in the room, the plot device of the third movie, because it broke me. <laughs> it broke me. What, you mean the fact that the whole movie takes place yes. in the theater? Of yes. the mind? Yes. <laughs> they go back to the movie theater from the first movie. There's this bougie fundraiser happening, and we have three costumes from some martial arts movie that was filming around the same time as this <laughs> that can apparently summon ancestors back to them. And, and they, they do. do. Some say they committed suicide. Others say that God intervened, yet others say that they were hired by Satan. But only one fact remains for sure, that these were their uniforms. And these are my gift to the new year. I recently received a phone call from a gentleman named Mr. Stryker Goodenough. Now, Mr. Stryker proceeded to describe for me an ancient ceremony that was used to communicate to the spirits. I have invited Mr. Stryker here tonight so he can show to all of you this very special event. 
Mr. Stryker. That's where the movie splits. So they summon the ancestors, and then the three supermen show up. Linda dies, and I lost all interest in the movie. <laughs> then the entire movie happens, and then at the very, very end, Tarek grabs like all the crystals from all three of the supermen, and then bam, we're back to the beginning of the movie at the theater. It was all a but dream. <laughs> yeah, the movie's saying elsewhere's us. Yeah. <laughs> He had been struck by lightning. <laughs> Inside. You got hit by lightning in this building right now. And everyone is like, whoa, are you okay, dude? And he's like, yeah, I am. The Aurora Borealis. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only, not only does he go, what happened? They're like, you were struck by lightning inside during this fundraiser. And he goes, okay, I guess that's great that I'm fine. Wait a minute. This guy is the guy who you're looking for. End of movie. End of movie, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Turns it. out he was right. <laughs> What happened? Lightning struck and you blacked out. Ouch. Come on, I'm going to take you to the hospital. No, no, where is Stryker? What is going on? He's the man who broke into your warehouse. Stryker! Down! Down! When you take away the mystical element, he looks like the goofiest guy in the world doing some kind of dance where previously it had summoned three ancestors to these costumes yes. and instead it's just like, ooh, like he was high on LSD, basically. <laughs> yeah, he was Burning Man a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's, it's very Burning Man. He's feeling the grooves. Can you see the auras, man? Can you see the chi? Is the implication that it would have summoned them? If he I had finished the dance. Oh, yes, yes. Because they do the like, oh, was it all really just a dream? And then for some reason, the fact that Carter Wong is standing outside and we hang on him is supposed to tell us that we just Donnie Darko'd back into before <laughs> the, the plane hits the house or whatever. Sure. Chinese people equal magic. <laughs> That's the opinions of these movies. Yeah. Well, you, uh, speaking of bad opinions of these movies, these movies also blatantly say in the third one countless times you can't trust these chinese people that is a line of dialogue that this movie has while fetishizing them while fetishizing them it is a wild trying on of other set pieces (laughs) and then number three again another one of these things where it's like you know what we don't need magic you know what we're gonna put into it magic usually i'm like Yes, like like <laughs> yes. the third one is so bad. It's so bad. But so wild. It's kind of brilliant. The instinct to turn things up to 11 is always going to be appreciated by me, even if that effect is relatively boring. <laughs> <laughs> to, to incorporate magic whatsoever into the story of the first movie we watched is very silly. Yeah. <laughs> very, very silly. Okay, I'm going to coin a term. The Indiana Jones problem. It's kind of like the evolution from Raiders jumping Aliens. all the fucking way. Yeah, to King of the Crystal Skull. The first one is like, eh, it's not really magic. It's, you know. What? It's kind of magic. It's kind of magic. <laughs> it's, it it's kind of magic. <laughs> I mean, you're Jewish. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> it's all true, Casey. It's true. <laughs> all of it. Okay. The, the only magic in the movie comes at the very end of the movie. In Raiders okay. of the Lost Ark. And uh, in Harrison Ford's eyes. 
says. <laughs> in Temple of Doom, there's way more magic. In Last Crusade, there's immortality. By Kingdom Skull, you've got aliens. Every time they have to scale it up. So your tier list of believability, God ranks underneath aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's actually, you've, you saying that has revealed a very odd psyche about the American public. We are fine with supernatural elements in our Indiana Jones films. If if the Almighty's involved. If we're following <laughs> one of two testaments. Temple of Dune is Old Testament. One and three are New Testament. Oh, no. And then I think we turn against Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because that's the Book of Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> You just or Scientology, this pick or your Scientology, yeah. yeah, yeah, either or, no, either pick or. your crystal skull vodka. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Greg, do you know why Bolo wasn't in the third one? No, I have no <laughs> idea why. The end of this movie would imply he died mid-filming. He died at that <laughs> moment. I did check IMDb to be like, when did he die? He's still alive. You can't kill a man with zero percent body fat. <laughs> they did have thunder from Big Trouble in Little China which was a great addition. I don't know if he was a great addition. Yeah. It just made me want to watch Big Trouble in Little China instead. I love Carter Wong, but like, I don't know if he was underwritten or if he was just really tired during the filming because the best thing about him is just he was wearing these these great little loafers, which I was into, and he <laughs> yeah. kind of had this, he kind of had like a little Liberace outfit that I was- He I was, was going pretty... for comfort. Like... <laughs> the crystal is what allows them to exist. This absorbed the surrounding chi and concentrated into matter. Destroy the crystal. And you can destroy the masters. Simple enough? No. The crystal is concentrated energy. It can only be defeated by a concentrated energy of equal power. Where can I find that equal? There's the power. That comes from the instant art of black tiger. And you know that art. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to look very cool, I think, but did not most of the movie. D swung his hands around quite a lot, but not in a way that felt, like, menacing <laughs> oh, at all. Oh, man, the way he was swinging his hands. Like, it was definitely the kind of thing of freaking out on someone in a dark alley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was, that was the move it was giving, where you just kind of, like, shock and surprise to catch them off guard, and then you run away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the problem was it was going for that trope of, I am the wise old Asian man who, who yeah. you know, is a little batty a little out there but also can still kick ass and everything but like he's way too young to be playing it none of it is reading he's also way too broad yeah, yeah. that works if you're one of these sort of thinner built maybe somebody who does crane or snake but like dude is built like a fucking tank even yeah, right. still like if he, he's in his 50s at look this at point, his imdb like, photo just look yeah, at it he's matt he's massive good lord like, yeah, he looks like Mr. Man. Universe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to stop this podcast to just keep staring at this. To, to jerk it? It's, yeah. <laughs> Look at that fucking neck. Good goddamn. It's thick as a skull. It is so sweet to have this as your IMDb photo. That is so fucking sweet. If you got it, flaunt it. And the man's got it. <laughs> he worked in movies so long after this. That's so cool. 
<laughs> the second and third one really, really just made me want to go and watch Big Trouble in Little China for a variety of reasons. First off, it does the three storms better because each of them has a separate individual power. Also, it does have magical Chinese people, but the heroes of the movie are Chinese Americans and Chinese people. And the doofus is the is American. The right yeah. And that's what's so great about the movie. And this is like the inverse. Yeah. It's taking all the wrong lessons from that movie. At the beginning of the movie, we got an update on the dead Sifu from yes. the first movie. Why yeah. was that Why? there? We have a flashback. We have like a That's whole right. flashback for him. And then he goes away. Yeah, it was just to set up, I think, the idea of bringing the dead back and magic and things like that. But like, who's going to clock that? What is this? That's right. Tarek sees Sifu Chow from the first movie walking around the fundraiser. Yeah, is that never resolved? That is, is that no, never, never resolved. resolved. No. Is that the moment Tarek gets struck by lightning? Maybe it is. Maybe that, that's his life flashing before his eyes. And by his life, I mean anything that's happened in this room in the past three movies. We go back to essentially that moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, might be, I think you so might be right. The vision oh God, of the Mr. Chow walking by him, that slow-mo shot, I was sort of like, ooh, that character's alive. That's fun. <laughs> I know. He sees a ghost, essentially. He sees a ghost when he gets struck by lightning. Yeah. That would be cool if that was obvious at all. <laughs> If we didn't just parse that out now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm more affected by it now that I'm thinking back and being like, yeah, why was that in the movie? Oh, the mysterious opaqueness of it is what's exciting about it. I would agree with you, Casey, if I had even remembered it. It's <laughs> only because I wrote it down that I remembered that it was in the movie at all. If I were to rewatch it, I would go, I would have the same confusion. Yeah, yeah. It demands doesn't it <laughs> sort of rewatch when a character appears and never suddenly comes back. pops back and said <laughs> and another character says you were just struck by lightning <laughs> and now you're back here if you're not rewinding back to that scene to see what was going on it is your fault you're supposed <laughs> the movie is expecting you to do a little bit of work here wow you guys look great and you so hot! Okay. Woman, it's your jaw. While I was walking around looking for you guys, came up with a plan. I am not a fan of where villainy in movies is by the 2000s. In the 80s and 90s, like, you have just a little bit of quippiness, just a little bit of sardonic smoothness. By, like, early 2000s, they're just, like, B-rate or C-rate stand-up comedians half the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you little pea shooter? <laughs> Get up, boys. I'm like, I was like, are you doing a fucking dummy act? <laughs> like, I would honestly be more scared if there was a ventriloquist doll involved <laughs> in, in half of his lines. I liked Stryker. Oh, really? Stryker, good enough? Yeah, I like I like Stryker. Stryker, good enough. Good enough. It's, it's good enough. Strike her, good enough. Perhaps the worst name I've ever heard in fiction. The credits are embarrassed by that name and do not put them in the credits. I thought I was having a stroke when I heard it the first time. The fact that they repeated it like three or four more times, I was like, that's an insane choice. That is an insane movie choice. And that man does not have nearly enough charisma 
shoes, but to pull off the one-liners he's attempting to Nor pull off. does he have enough of anything to pull off the robe that he pulls off. hey <laughs> What? I, I really wanted to like Stryker's low-rent Groucho Marx-isms. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I got, oh, I I got, got one. I got one. Few. Bring these guys back from the spirit world. They go clubbing and they don't even invite me. <laughs> Merges can be so difficult. <laughs> you guys got to get laid. Come to think of it, I got to get laid. He had just gotten laid two scenes previous. <laughs> I liked Stryker good enough. I I wanted to, but it just, it was, it, it wasn't good enough. It, hey. yeah, it just, it felt like he was like, uh, you wrote nothing. I'll, I'll fill it in, but hadn't really done a lot of <laughs> yeah. improv sure. in his life. Like, no, the was cigar like... was doing a lot of the character's work. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but what's funny is that he's also a martial artist. Like, he's predominantly known as a martial artist. Really? It would be like having, uh, it, I mean, it would be like having Cynthia Rothrock <laughs> in a movie and then not give him anything to fight. Just do the talky stuff. Who would do that? That's a terrible idea. <laughs> Jalal Murray likes showing off his toys. He doesn't like playing with them. <laughs> <laughs> I would guess that's what he was like as a kid, too. Isn't this Zord really cool? No, you can't no, touch it. No, you're not touching it. This You is look my... well with your eyes, not with your hands. Yeah. <laughs> give it back. Give it back, actually. You're, it's, you're touching it. It's too long. Also, it's such a wild bad guy plan. He just wants to cut the line to the criminal underground. He's like, you know what would be much easier? Getting three unstoppable <laughs> kung fu masters to help me shake down every business so I can run downtown New York. Yeah. And that's it. That's his whole plan. The third one not only seems like Jalal Murray's hates the police, he also hates the media. Yes. The, the media is like reporting Tarek's name all over the news as a suspect who's wanted for questioning for what at that point amounts to like an internal affairs report. Yes, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, going outside of his jurisdiction. It's like, wait, why is this national or at least regional news? Wow, I really did not watch a lot of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely have this memory of him lying in bed with Cynthia Rothrock. Yes. And her like, oh. her, like yes. saying something flirty and being like, why are you saying oh, that? I have it. Yeah, I wrote it, it down. She, she says, anything should ever happen to me. Nothing's going to happen to you. End of flashback. You're like, <laughs> oh, I thought this would be a moment for us to know like what's going to be driving him. Nope. That's the sort of thing where the producer, Jalal Murray, got in the way. If anything should happen to me, no, nothing will ever happen to you. That's all that we need to communicate with this moment is that me, Tarek, it is important to know that he will protect you. That, and that is why it will be sad when he cannot protect you. That is good. That is good for movie. And it's like, no, that's not what's good in this scene. Yeah, I heard the AD pulling out their hair off screen being like, why did we schedule this scene? What are we doing with this? And, you know, he... he he, he sucks. <laughs> or is just, like, not fun to watch on screen, except when he's fighting. A big problem is all three of them could be described as ensemble pieces, for better or worse. The first one, a little less so. It's much more rooted around Tarek and Linda, and we kind of just, like, have these asides to show some fun characters getting killed. 
The second and third one, though, are full ensemble pieces. We spend more time generally with the villains mm. than we do with Tarek and Linda. Especially Linda. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which would normally be fine, but we don't actually really get to know them at all. They don't get a lot of characterization outside of just like, we have a deal. There are guns. We have to kill Tarek. Oh boy, can we find Tarek? Where is Tarek? In the third one, we literally just get scenes of a guy shaking down various restaurant owners. Yeah, it's it's these three supermen and woman who don't talk who don't talk and uh are heavily influenced wardrobe wise by the Wachowskis <laughs> and that's the extent of their characterization yep the third one also introduces a possible romance for Tarek in light of losing Linda that literally goes nowhere except for when he wakes up and tells Linda all about his dream she's like wait but who was this bitch <laughs> I was infuriated by Karen? this. It's Master Jin's daughter. We don't get her name until the last scene of the movie. Linda has been told about her in a scene that we aren't privy to. <laughs> yep. There is no chemistry between no. these characters <laughs> on screen. We don't even know their age difference. Like, <laughs> Apparently Linda has some separation issues. Because yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, you were near another woman? Mm-mm. To be fair to Linda, though, his dying brain did give her the worst last line, <laughs> which is, we don't have to come to these parties anymore, <laughs> and then dies. And so, yeah. you know what, Linda, I'd be pissed too, because we're talking about the problems of this movie uh, exclusively. Yep. I, <laughs> I think the fact that this was directed by J. Stephen Maunder, who wrote all of them, but the first one was directed by by Kelly Macon. I think he might be the problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> what what else has he directed? Uh, he only directed these two and something in 2010 called oh, Shadows wow. in Paradise. Wow. But otherwise, he wrote pretty much all of Jalal Murphy's movies. Pretty clearly, Jalal Murphy and him have a really strong working relationship considering seemingly every credit that he has is on a Jalal Murphy movie. I think it might be something like Jalal was maybe phantom directing and mm, okay. or they're just too close that he couldn't say no oh, perhaps yeah. you know but like but just like having somebody outside of the fold to handle the directing duties he directed two and three they felt much weaker outside of the better fight choreography but the performances are not better the the coverage is better but that's kind of it we have been very down on these movies and i think rightfully so but i don't want it all to be negative does everybody have like one thing from either two or three that they did genuinely like Honestly, the dungeon crawl in number two, that had my attention the most, I think, because there's just enough wild stuff going on that doesn't make sense to keep me paying attention. Then once it turns into the opening of the portal, I'm like, eh, I no longer care. Yeah, I liked Victor shoving a guy into the bottomless pit of doom (laughs) after he helped him. At one point while watching the second one, I screamed, Tiger Clombat! (laughs) (laughs) That's good! I liked when Cynthia Rothrock fought a guy off with a table. That was pretty cool. That was great. Oh, that the, was yeah, great. the sawhorse fight was really good. Yeah. That was neat. I don't know about legitimately like, but I did appreciate after Linda dies, Tarek's terrible. No! <laughs> like, 
That was one of the worst no's I've ever heard, including in, Star Wars. Yeah, I was going to say, it's him and Vader. It's, that's, that's all there is. Oh, that's a coin toss. Ah! I liked when they captured the genuinely breathtaking experience of picking up someone from the San Francisco airport. <laughs> I've had the pleasure. It is a really nice drive. Fighting in the nightclub with the three ancient masters where they're just whole hog ripping off appendages is awesome. Plucking out the eyeball and dropping it into a drink was badass. That's how you it's preserve awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the three ancient masters walking down the, the street in New York, blowing up a series of cars. Yeah. Like, there were like five cars they, they cool. blew up. Like, I liked their vibe, and I also think they treated appearing in the future with the correct amount of attitude, which is, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Someone described Linda and Tarek as being from that warehouse situation. <laughs> yeah, like, what? Which I really liked. Could have, what? I guess, been any of their adventures. Yeah, any adventure a warehouse, warehouse situation. We could have seen it. We could have not seen it. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. I have to assume every sting operation that they've ever done off screen also involved a box factory. Yes. Of some kind. <laughs> I loved uh, Sneaky Ballo in, in the white satin, <laughs> sneaking through the maze at the end. <laughs> that was cool. I liked catching throwing stars and throwing the back. That was, that was cool. cool. Always That fun. was cool. Always good. Speaking of catching, I liked that the masters had missile catching powers like a D&D monk. Like the fact Ooh, that they can yeah. just catch bullets and be like, throw them back at you. And that then was great. I, Tarek does that at the end. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. Of all the three eras of Tarek. I liked the one that looked like 80s Dario Argento. <laughs> he was he was my favorite look one. Editing wise, I loved the choice to have the scene with Stryker in a towel cut away to a whole bunch of things <laughs> yeah. happening and then cutting back immediately to that same scene but implying that time had passed. <laughs> yes. That was baffling. They're still eating. They're, they're eating they're the still same eating. food. They're still naked but they're like, what do you mean the mission failed? <laughs> When you left just now and did all those things. Significantly famous and successful stand-up comedian Russell Peters plays a cop in the third one. Is he the prankster cop? I'll be honest, I slept through a lot of the third one. I, <laughs> as y'all were describing things, I realized just how little of that movie I stayed awake that's for. Fair. It's easy to like that one if you're not awake for yeah, it. Yeah, maybe that's why my, my feelings were so generally positive. In that same vein, I loved how the third one, they really knew how to get mileage out of a costume purchase. If you were going to buy costumes for a bad guy, the first 15 minutes should be those costumes hanging on screen. <laughs> <laughs> three of them? I'm buying three of them? The plot of the movie is about hanging <laughs> these costumes and looking at them. We are going to make this purchase make sense. Uh, I also do like in the third one, Jin gets shot point blank by Stryker, but he turns out to be okay because earlier he had gotten sleepy and cold in a car and put on a bulletproof vest. Well, and also none of this is happening. <laughs> and also none of that movie happened. I think that's my favorite part of the third movie, is none of it happened. None of it matters. <laughs> Welcome to Tiger Claws 3, where everything's made up and yeah, none of it matters. points don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer, Josh. When you say what really worked about these movies, that they didn't. <laughs> Papa? 
Are you okay? I saw him shoot you. <laughs> no. Where did you find that? I was cool. <laughs> this isn't a positive. This is a negative again. <laughs> but the fact that after two movies where Jalber he underutilizes Cynthia Rothrock in the third one he just straight up kills her <laughs> is yeah. a wild off it's screen like, and keeps... nineteen minutes. I almost 19 turned minutes. off the movie. I was almost just like, I got enough. I got enough. I don't need to know what else happens in this. It's like he got a lot of fan mail that was like Jalal. Love the movies. More Cynthia? Seems like maybe she's underutilized. More Cynthia? More Cynthia? And then, like, it seems like he's just reading every piece of fan mail going, More Cynthia! More Cynthia! More Cynthia! <laughs> what say. about Chanal? Yeah, where's. Like, he's just writing in big red crayon, like, And Cynthia dies! <laughs> <laughs> Did you read that, Cynthia? You died. <laughs> but not even that. Not even with any sort of... And then to even take that away. He knew how to really make it. Yeah. She read it and went, oh, this is a great death scene. And he was like, no more! Yeah, no more. <laughs> People were like so emotional. They're like, as I read the movie, it's like... I miss Linda's character, but I actually feel like it's good. It's good for Tarek's growth that he loses her. He doesn't lose her. <laughs> She's back. She's back. She just she was there wasn't the whole in time. the movie. She was there the whole time. She just wasn't in it. <laughs> no stakes. Nothing matters. Only stakeouts. No, just stakeouts. <laughs> stakeouts. Holy shit. Wait, you you yeah. just yeah. summed exactly. up the movie. No stakes, only stakeouts. Yeah, exactly. Is, That's oh, the franchise. The first line of the movie tells us, no, this movie will have no stakes, only stakeouts. He tried wow. to warn just us. waiting and watching for the stakes to happen. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. Well, that feels pretty uh Yeah, that feels pretty good. <laughs> did you do a rip-off report card for this? Or I did, yeah. Okay, I thought this was like a fake episode. Right. This is the point where you get zapped by lightning, wake up, and it's the beginning of the oh, podcast. Okay, okay, great, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Jamie, Jamie. Oh, shoot, I have to do the roll call. Uh... Yeah, this is roll just a regular call. roll call, Jamie. We're just doing a regular episode. You got zapped by lightning. Yeah, you wow. just got hit by lightning. Are you all right? Oh, no, she's dead. Right, she just got hit by lightning. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josh, she is dead. Because oh! of the lightning we just talked about. Jamie! Should have gotten steak. Oh, no, right, but it's my job to do the song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Tiger claws. Tiger claws. Tiger claws. Tiger claws. Jalamari tiger claws. Report, report. I see a little bolo sitting on his hands. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, can you do the tiger claw? He can't feel it because he puts his hands inside the oven. Rip off report card. Tiger Claws 2 and 3 Rip-Off Report Card is brought to you by the Tiger Claws 1 Rip-Off Report Card. <laughs> oh, Greg, you just got hit by lightning. We're, oh, we're just sorry. about to do the Rip-Off Report Card intro joke. 
Tiger Claws 2 and 3 ripoff report card is brought to you by Tarix Carrix. Get a three or four masted sailing ship from Tarek because that's because he knows so much about boats. He's a big boating guy. Carrix, it rhymes with Tarek. <laughs> with the rise of prominence of the martial arts and shoot 'em up action genre in the 80s into the 90s, many, many of these films spend some, if not all, of their time in one Chinatown or another. If you were a consistent video viewer, you'd think all of America's crimes started and often ended in Chinatowns. <laughs> An aura of mystery, especially to the white viewer, and the back alley nature of Chinatowns were an off-pilfered backdrop for which to set any amount of shady dealings and underworld intrigue. Now, there's some part truth in that, and I imagine some part implicit racism. <laughs> Though narratively speaking, it does give some credence to the idea that, well, everyone somehow knows martial arts. Regardless, like many city neighborhoods, especially those in the generally working class variety, they were fairly tough especially during the decline of the American urban centers from the 70s to the 90s. Most people would be familiar with the Italian mafia La Cosa Nostra or their Irish and Jewish mob counterparts. So do did Chinatowns have a mob, the most prominent of which were the Tongs. Similarly to the aforementioned mobs, the Tongs were formed for much more egalitarian causes. They were a benevolent association started to ease the transition to a new country be it by teaching classes such as English lessons, offer loans, or provide protection against, at best, a police force that often didn't care, or at worst, would target people of color. But, as with many associations of this kind, over the years, it became more and more tied with criminal dealings. One interesting thing to note about criminality in Chinatown is, according to author Bill Lee, Chinese culture is a much more casual relationship with gambling. Gambling was, and still is, highly controlled and often illegal in America, but was commonplace in China. In an interview with Found SF, Lee said, quote, There's also the fact that gambling is very prevalent in Chinese culture because it has always been accepted and perceived as a social activity. That's where you go and gather with friends. The other part is that, especially in southern China, most people from that region tended to be poor farmers. Things are so unpredictable there that you could build your home, plant your crops, and a typhoon or monsoon comes along and wipes everything out. So you have to start from scratch. My own theory is that when you have those types of challenges, and you also have the dynamics of gambling being acceptable, people tend to be very superstitious. There's not much they have in the first place, and they're very willing to try their luck. The Tongs, as well as many other smaller benevolent associations, cropped up in the early history of Chinatowns, and where there's money to be made, there's ultimately fighting. So there are often turf wars amongst gangs, with Tongs employing hired killers, also known as hatchet men, because they literally prowled the streets and killed people with hatchets. <laughs> nice. According to Lee, it was in the 60s that immigration policies ultimately relaxed in America, and so there was a new wave of folks coming in, and the number of tongs and the muscle behind them increased. So suddenly, they were able to have a bigger and bigger influence, not just in Chinatowns, but also outside. These activities were generally not fucked with by the authorities at large, but a number of events happened, and one of which was in 1977, a particularly big incident occurred, known as the Golden Dragon Massacre. 
After an all-out gunfight in the streets earlier in the year between a Tong offshoot called Joe's Boys and a handful of Tong gangs, the retaliation happened at the Golden Dragon restaurant. Five people were killed and 11 wounded. It was a gang issue at its heart, but everyone hurt and killed during the attack were non-gang members. So, the big problem for the city was that tourists were shot. And so, with anything, the minute businesses become a problem, it's a problem for everyone. And so, the city started to crack down. And this was a major incident in San Francisco, but also for Chinatowns at large. So, the next time you see Al Zhang wielding a couple of hatchets in an alleyway about to explode in an all-out brawl, remember that that image is somehow actually based in history. That is the Tiger Claws 2 and 3 rip-off report card. You put so much work in, Greg. I have to. I that one took so much. I was like, I was like, what do I write this about? (laughs) (laughs) You get an A plus. Nothing really matters. Anyone can see. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. In Tiger Claws 3. <laughs> he got struck by lightning. <laughs> Rip off report card. Okay, well, this was fun. Was it? I hope you enjoyed my many lessons that I taught to you the class of video high. I hope you enjoyed the time I was able to spend in your school as much as I did. Thanks, Tarek. I guess. Thanks. I just come up, I'll give you each a diploma from the New York, Toronto, San Francisco Kung Fu Tiger Claw Department (laughs) to let you know that you are little pups. You're tiger cubs, officially. Uh, (laughs) Detective Tarek, you're my own little tiger cub, so come get my diplomas. (laughs) First up, Greg Hansen. My closing thought is... Oof. That's it. That's how I felt after. I was like, oh, oof. Here's your diploma. (laughs) One scratch before you go. All right, and here's one for Josh Roth. Much like the diminishing returns that these three movies had, so does my final thought. I got nothing left. I think we're all going to have a similar theme. Here you go. Here's, here's another scratch. I take it. Ow. Okay. And one for a Casey Regan. Hiya. More like bye-ya. <laughs> a scratch. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, a wonderful Jamie Kennedy. Thank you. You are the valedictorian of Tiger Clock class. Here you oh, go. I'm so honored. Tag yourself. I'm a woman who does nothing when a stranger eats Chinese food off my plate. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone get together and step step back. Yeah, back just a little bit through this, this giant good. portal oh, that has oh, suddenly oh, opened. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Linda, no!
Thank you so much to our teacher, Philip Marlowe, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra, and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our theme music. Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos for our bed music, and Shear for our logo, and the entire Video Eye crew, Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Jamie Kennedy, and me, Josh Roth. Next time, there's gold in 1991's Devil Rider. A group of friends visit a dude ranch for a weekend of investment opportunities and canoodling, but they find themselves picked off one by one by an immortal cowboy protecting his land. Maybe they should have listened to the crazy old farmhand. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> is that what a Carrick is? Yes. <laughs> Did you Google things that rhyme with Tarek? I Googled things that rhymed with barracks, because that was the one that I thought of. <laughs> In your ear. Podcast Network.